0: If you have your Bible go to John chapter 18 on September 11th of 2001 the Duchess of York Sarah Ferguson was doing an interview with Good Morning America and she was running about 20 minutes behind whenever she left the studios there of GMA and she was headed to her office which was in the World Trade Center in fact She said she was trying to get her driver to drive a little bit faster because they were 20 minutes behind schedule and needed to get caught up. And on the way to her office, she saw the plane hit the building. She was moments from death. Had she been running on time, then it's likely that she would have died in the tragedy of September 11th. How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation where you were just moments from death? One of those near-death misses. And I won't embarrass you. Just anybody who's, who's found yourself in that situation before where, man, you know, Ada's found, okay, most of you guys have live squeaky clean lives, you bunch of church people or something like that. But, you know, I mean, those moments from death. The Bible tells us a story of a man who was just moments from death. In John 18 and verse 38, the Bible says, after he said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them now we're talking about Pontius Pilate the man that we looked at last week so Pontius Pilate goes out to the Jews and says I find no grounds for charging him you have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover so do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews and they shouted back not this man but Barabbas Now, Barabbas was a revolutionary. Matthew chapter 27 gives us a little bit more detail into the story. There, Matthew writes, when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, he took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd, and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. And then he released Barabbas to them, but after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. Now we don't know a lot about this man, Barabbas. His name means son, bar, of the father, Abbas. And some have speculated. That he might have been the son of a priest. That he grew up in the temple and around the temple. That he was the original rebellious pastor's kid. I grew up a pastor's kid, and sometimes we get a bad reputation that all pastor's kids are just rebellious. I always tell them it's just because we hang out with the deacon's kids that that we get that way. But, you know, Barabbas, he, he grew up possibly a son of a priest. If his father was a priest, it makes sense why the chief priest and the others were encouraging the crowd to ask specifically for his release because he was was precious to them. When he was a little baby, his parents no doubt had dreams for his life. They envisioned him growing up and graduating from Jerusalem high school. They probably envisioned him starting on the football team and then going off to the University of Rome on a gladiator scholarship. And there were all sorts of dreams that his parents probably had for him. He had grown up under Roman law. He had seen firsthand the savageness of the Romans. And so Barabbas grew up despising the golden eagle of Rome's legions. Somewhere along the way, he and his friends began having run-ins with the soldiers. In my mind, I, I would envision it beginning early on kind of as just little things that they would do to try to make the soldiers that occupied Palestine, to try to make their life more miserable. But eventually, this turned into an all-out uprising. Historians tell us that during Pontius Pilate's governorship, that riots were frequent in Palestine. And in fact, Pilate's primary job from Rome was to keep the peace. And so he was politically on shaky ground because there had been many revolutionaries, many uprisings. And because of that, he was having to have a firm hand with anybody that would come against Rome. It is fairly safe to assume That Barabbas had killed a Roman soldier in one of these uprisings. He had established a certain amount of fame. People knew him, and he was known as a robber, but he was also known as a revolutionary. Now, you can imagine how he must have found, how he must have felt when he was found. When the Romans discovered him and bound him and they dragged him to Pontius Pilate and there he stood before the governor and he was found guilty of treason against Rome. He was then thrown into a pit beneath Fort Antonia and there he would await his fate in the dungeon of Rome. Now there was no appeals process under Roman law for for this man. Whenever you're thrown into the Roman jail, there was no cable TV. They didn't give you scrolls to read. You didn't have hot meals. It was just you, the rats, starving for food, shivering in the cold. The dark circles beneath Barabbas' eyes testified to the horrors of his bed. I can imagine, imagine him sitting up that night thinking, when, when are they going to come for me? How long am I going to hang? Is anybody going to even care when I die? In the darkness of the prison, he was keenly aware of every noise, and so I can imagine him hearing outside the sounds of voices that morning. What's going on? Is a riot about to take place? Are are some of my friends once again revolting? What's happening? I think it's Passover week. Is this going to be the, the great moment? And then the door to the prison opens and his heart almost explodes whenever the Roman soldiers call his name, Barabbas. Come with me. He says goodbye to the two criminals that were chained on either side. And he begins an agonizing death march up the stairs of Fort Antonia, not knowing what is going to be at the top of those stairs, and when he finally reaches the top of the stairs, he's shocked at what he sees. There's Pontius Pilate, the man that had convicted him, the governor that had been his judge, but standing next to him is a man that is so brutally beaten that Barabbas kind of cowers in fear, wondering, is this what they're going to do to me as well? For some reason, a, a large crowd had gathered, and as Barabbas, his eyes adjusting, looks out into the crowd, he can see some of his family members and see some of his friends there in the crowd. Barabbas will never forget the look on the governor's face when the crowd asked for his release. It was the climactic moment of his life. The revolutionary who thought he was about to die released and the crowd chanting his name, Give us Barabbas! Give us Barabbas! What a joyful day it was for him as he he was released. That day was supposed to end with his arms outstretched in death. But instead, that day ended for Barabbas in the outstretched arms of his family as they welcomed him home. As Jesus, with fresh wounds in his hands, cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Barabbas was welcomed home. While Jesus laid in the tomb, Barabbas drank the Passover wine, ate the Passover bread, enjoyed the great feast of the Passover. I wonder what Barabbas thought as the days unfolded. What did he think whenever the eclipse began to take over the area, whenever the earth shook at the death of Jesus? What did he think three days later whenever news began to go throughout the town that Jesus had risen from the dead? fascinating character that comes onto the pages of Scripture for just a moment and then goes about his life. I want you to notice this morning four things about this man, Barabbas. The first thing that I want you to notice is this. Barabbas was guilty. He was guilty of his crime. The other day, I was at the great Mecca of hamburgers, a great testimony to all things that are Texan, I was at Whataburger. And so I did what any Texan would do. I went in there and I ordered a number one. And so they started making my Waterburger. And you know how they give you that 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 beautiful idol known as the table tent with your number on it to sit down at your table as you wait for your food. And so I take that and I take my drink and I sit at the table and I needed to wash my hands. So I go back to the men's room and I'm washing my hands. And whenever I come back out, I realize my my number is gone. Now I'm drinking my receipt are there, but my number has gone. So I begin thinking, okay, uh, there may have been a little bit of a mix-up here. Where's the person that brings you your burger? And so I go find that wonderful person who brings you this delicious food, and I, I say, hey, uh, my number's gone. What's, what's going on? So she helps me. I mean, I, kudos to the Whataburger staff. They get me a hamburger and french fry, and I go over, and I'm sitting there. Well, somebody overheard the whole discussion that I had with this person, and so A few minutes later, they come walking back into the store and say, Hey, dude, I found your your number. It was outside the store in the grass. So he and I begin comparing notes, and we put the story together that basically I was a victim of Whataburger theft. Somebody, some depraved individual, took my number, And then took my burger and ran. That's just wrong. I mean, you don't steal somebody's water burger. That is just wrong on so many levels. I believe in the hamburglar now. Okay? He does exist. It's not just a fictitious character anymore. But but Barabbas was a thief. He was a creepy little squirrel of a man that went around taking things that didn't belong to him. Now, it would be one thing if Barabbas had been a good man, if he had been falsely accused. But the Bible clearly says two things about him. Number one, he was a revolutionary. who was going up against Rome, probably participated in a riot. Number two, he was a robber. Legally, he deserved what he was getting. Spiritually, Barabbas is a lot like us. Because all of us have broken God's laws along the way. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Romans three twenty-three says, For all have sinned and fall short of, of the glory the standard of God 2nd Chronicles 6:36 says there is no one who does not sin 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8 an incredible passage of scripture says if we say we have no sin we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we do not have any sin, we make God a liar, and His Word is not in us. You see, the difference between Barabbas and us is that Barabbas had broken Rome's law, but we have broken God's law. Everyone in this room has sinned. Everyone in this room has turned to our own way. We have rebelled against God. We have done things which are wrong. Now, I want you to notice number two, that Barabbas had a date with death. Barabbas had a date with death. My first freshman year of college, I went to a small Bible college in Missouri. Later on, I would transfer to Dallas Baptist University, go Patriots, and uh, graduate from DBU. Are there no DBU folks in here? Just, yeah, okay. Okay, so so we got a couple, okay? Uh, But later on, I'd graduate. Well, I remember that first semester that I was off at college, about 500 miles away from home, couldn't wait to get home for Christmas vacation. So I'm on the phone with my mom, remember those days, and I'm talking to my mom, collect, 10 cents a minute, talking to her, and I'm looking forward to coming home for Christmas. And she says, well, son, there's, there's one problem. I don't know where you're going to sleep. I'm like, what? She says, well, I gave your bed away. I'm like, you gave my bed away? Well, who did you give it to? I gave it to your sister. My sister had just gotten married. So in my mind, I'm picturing my bed given to my sister and her new husband. Ooh. So my mom, sensing my displeasure, goes on to explain to me the wisdom of her decision, to which I put my hands in my ears and went, la, 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 la. I I didn't want to deal with this whole idea. That's how a lot of us are when it comes to death. We don't want to think about it, we don't want to imagine ourselves there. Uh, We just kind of put our fingers in our ears and go la 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 la. It doesn't really happen. It's not really mine. It's other people. Happens to other people, but but not to me. I do funerals. I I see it. I see people hiding out in the lobbies, doing everything they can to avoid having to look at the body. I get it. I don't want to die either. I mean, I I don't want to be. In the box. I mean, we want to enjoy the life that that we have. I get it why death creeps a lot of us out. But there is a reality that one day it's going to be our turn. Your body's going to deteriorate. Something's going to happen. You're going to die. There's also this reality in the world that we live in that something's just broken. Our environment, our society has a sense of decay, and the scriptures speak to this. In fact, in our culture today, there's almost an abandonment of anything that is forward thinking to the point of death. It's almost like we're, we're obsessed with just living in real time. The scriptures actually talk frequently about the importance of understanding the temporal nature of your life and where you are headed. Romans 6.23, in talking about death, says, For the wages of sin is death. The paycheck of sin is that there is death in your life, there is death in the society around us, the society is fractured and in need of God's deliverance. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, notice where, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Barabbas knew that one day they were going to come for him. He knew that one day he was going to have to pay the price for his sin. And just like Barabbas, all of us have a date with death. One day I will have to pay the price for all those greasy water burgers. One day, I will die. One day, you will die. We all have a date with death. Now, thirdly, Barabbas was given grace. Barabbas was given grace. They did not free him because he was innocent. They didn't, they, the law didn't say that he should be freed. The law of Rome was that he should die. For his crimes. Barabbas didn't deserve his freedom. He had willingly broken the law. The Romans didn't have to free him. Pilate says, we have a custom at the Passover season. This is what we generally do. But Pilate was not bound by that. Pilate made a choice to free Barabbas. Barabbas was extended favor that he did not deserve. And ultimately, instead of Barabbas dying, Jesus died. Grace is at the foundation of Christianity. The grace that saves us is the grace that matures us. It is also the grace that will preserve us as gods for all eternity. You cannot really understand Christianity until you begin swimming in the streams of grace. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 says this about grace. It says but God <laughs> I love passages of scripture that begin with but God because normally the writer has put together a contrast before that. And they've written a a dark scene and then the passage changes tone and says But God, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you, are saved by grace! Exclamation point. Together with Christ Jesus, He also raised up and seated us in the heavens so that in the coming ages, He might display the immeasurable riches of His grace. Through His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourself. Grace, it is God's gift, not from works. So that no one can boast. For we are his creation. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared ahead of time. So that we should walk in them. Barabbas experienced grace. And grace is what we all are in desperate need of as well. Fourth. Barabbas experienced a fresh start. You see, he woke up that day just moments from death. What was done was done. He had already been condemned. He was a dead man walking. There was no turning back. He had a date with two pieces of wood, three spikes. He had a date with death. All he was doing was waiting. But then out of nowhere, he is saved. Out of nowhere, he is given a fresh start. He is extended to him grace. And again, I wonder what happened to him. I wonder how his life story unfolded. I wonder what he must have thought as he watched Jesus be taken away to be crucified while he was released. Barabbas was given a fresh start in life because Jesus died. And I'm reminded of that glorious and familiar passage in John 3.16. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The story of Barabbas is a snapshot of every man because every one of us are guilty every one of us have broken spiritual laws every one of us have a date with death the wages of sin is death it's going to happen in each of our lives and the only hope for any of us is God's grace, for by grace are you saved. It's not about whether or not you go to church, it's whether or not what you're, that you're a, a good mom or a good dad, or, or how philanthropic you are, or how many mission trips you go on. Your, your only hope is that God does something for you that you could not do on your own, that He, extend, he extends favor to you that is unmerited the amazing grace that we sing about, the amazing grace that Christianity is built upon. And God promises a fresh start for all who believe. For God so loved the world in this way that he sent his son so that everyone who believes in him does not perish, but is released from the bondage of sin, Taste the grace of God, and lives in a radical freedom in which we know that the destiny of our life does not end at the graves of this world, but the destiny of our life lives forever with Christ. A fresh start for all who believe. We call that the gospel. It's what this church is built on. It's what can change your life when you come to the realization that God loves you so much that He sent His Son to do for you what you could never do for yourself. And He calls you to believe in Him, to trust in Christ as your Savior and your Lord. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, this morning with our heads bowed? I wonder this morning, is today the day that you need to believe in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Is today your day? God's been at work in your life, and you know this. He's put His tool belt on, and He's been working on you, showing you things about your life, bringing people into your life that have shown you truth and have pointed you towards God. And perhaps all that activity is culminating into this moment. This moment when you believe in Christ as your Lord and your Savior. If that's you today, if today needs to be the moment where you believe, I invite you to call out to your God. You might say something like this Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I realize I have done things that are wrong. I ask for your forgiveness. Father, I don't understand everything, but I do believe. And today I'm believing in Jesus Christ as my Savior, as my Lord. And I'm asking you to invade my life and to change me. And Lord, today I'm asking for wisdom and strength to follow you all the days of my life. And I'm asking, Lord, that you will give me a confidence that knows that when this life is over, I'll be with you for all eternity. Today, I'm believing in Jesus as my Savior. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to rejoice with you. I want to celebrate with you. I'll be here at the front during this next hymn and I'll be here in the worship area after this service and in the moments to come. And I would just invite you to come and tell me last today. I I believed this was a changing moment in my life, a fresh start. I just want to celebrate with you with what God is doing. Church, we've gathered here today and, and many of you are believers already. And we've gathered here today to make much of Jesus Christ. And so as we sing this next hymn, let it flow from your heart. Father, we thank You for this moment where we worship You. We thank You for Your abundant riches, for Your mercy, for Your love, for Your grace, for Your Son. We thank You, Lord, that we have been set free, that the shackles of sin have fallen. And we stand as approved men and women of God, not ashamed of the gospel, that our approval is in Christ. So we live in that approval, we worship in that approval, we love in that approval. And we seek to be the people that you have created for the glory of your name. In Jesus name. Amen.